Welcome to the Abide Daily Podcast from Ecclesi of the Church in Salt Lake City, a time led by our pastors and others in our church to abide in God through prayer, reflection, and the reading of His Word together. Hey, this is Levi, and thanks for joining us today. As we begin our prayer and reading today, let's start off by taking a moment to pause, to be still, and to be aware of God's presence. Let's take a moment to share with the Lord where we're at and what we're thinking and feeling, as well as thank Him for all that He's done, is doing, and will do. prayer for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger, and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, as I read your words in scripture, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you lead me and give me understanding. Lord, I ask that you would draw near and meet with me and lead me into your kingdom today. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 23 through 24 in the English Standard Version. And looking intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law? And yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, for it is written, You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now when Paul perceived that one uh, that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor angels, nor spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. Then a great clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees stood of the Pharisees party stood up and contended sharply we find nothing wrong in this man what if a spirit or an angel spoke to him and when the dissension became violent the tribune after that Paul would be torn or afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them commanded the soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks the following night the Lord stood by and said take courage for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem so you must testify also in Rome When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. 
There were more than 40 who made this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have strictly bound ourselves by an oath to test to taste no food till we have killed Paul. Now therefore, now now there now therefore, you along with the council, give notice to the tribune to bring him down to you, as though you were going to determine his case more ex- more exactly, and we are ready to kill him before he comes near. Now the son of Paul's sister heard of their ambush, so he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the tribune, for he he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the tribune and said, Paul, the prisoner, called, called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, as he has something to say to you. The tribune took him by the hand and, going aside, asked him privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul to the council tomorrow, as though they are going to inquire some, somewhat more closely about him. But do not be persuaded by them, for more than forty of their men are lying in ambush for him, who have been bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the tribune dismissed the young man, char- charging him, Tell no one that you have informed me of these things. Then he called two of the centurions and said, Get ready two hundred soldiers with seventy horsemen and two hundred spearmen to go as far as Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Also provide mounts for Paul to ride and bring him safely to Felix the governor. And he wrote a letter to this effect. Claudius Silas to His Excellency the Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them when I came upon them with the soldiers and rescued him, having learned that he was a Roman citizen. And desiring to know the charge for what they were accusing him, I brought him down to, the, to your council, or to their council. I found that he was being accused about questions about their law, but charged with nothing deserving death or punishment. And when it was disclosed to me that there would be a plot against the man, I sent him to you at once, ordering his accusers also to state before you what they have against him. So the soldiers, according to their instruction, took Paul and brought him to, uh, by night to, to Antipartris. And on the next day they returned to the barracks, letting the horsemen go on with them. When they had come to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they persuaded Paul also before him. On reading the letter, he asked what province he was from. And when he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. And he commanded him to go to, the, go to be guarded in Herod's praetorium. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullius. They laid before the governor their case against Paul, and when he had been summoned, Tertullius began to accuse him, saying, Since through through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world, and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out for him, from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, uh, to speak Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it is not more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they are bringing you against me. Because this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law of written in the prophets. 
having a hope in God which these men themselves accept, that there be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me. Or else, let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having rather acute knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Uh, Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came and his wife, Drusilla, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak with faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away from for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So he sent for him after a conversion with him and, and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by uh, Partius Festus and desired to do the Jews a favor. Felix left Paul in prison. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Reflecting on the scripture, I find it fascinating that God doesn't always work through miraculous means. For example, like sending angels to break Paul out of prison, like he did with Peter and John, or sweeping Paul away in the spirit like he did with Philip when he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Instead, God in this situation desired to work in the most ordinary and average ways. Even though some amongst the Sanhedrin plotted to kill Paul, his sister's son, of all people, just so happened to hear about it and warned the right people about it. Not only that, God made heavy use of the fact that Paul was a Roman citizen, which deserved him many rights and privileges, including the right to be tried before Roman officials in power at the time. God would also make use of Paul's intuition regarding just the right words for Paul to say to cause a division amongst the Sanhedrin uh, regarding the resurrection of the dead. The point here is that despite God's absolute ability to bend reality to his will so as to achieve his purposes like he's done many times before, he's not forced to do so whatsoever. Jesus told Paul that he must testify in Rome, and the road to Rome is going to be paved with plenty of ordinary events that seem to the ungodly eye as human history just unfolding itself. But we have the blessing of seeing God's hand through every minor detail of it. What this means, church, is that every single minor detail of your day is being orchestrated by the God of heaven. Every drive to work, every poopy diaper, and every encounter with other people, God has woven it all in. So take a moment to marvel at every little detail of your day today. And thank God for his handiwork as it continues to unfold. Let me say that again. Take a moment to marvel at every little detail of your day today. And thank God for his handiwork as it continues to unfold.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your handiwork in our day-to-day lives. We thank you for all the good things that you provide us with, all the trials you provide us with. Everything that you give to us is from your gracious hand, even when it's welcomed or not so pleasant. Lord, just as you orchestrated every event of the life of Paul, you orchestrate every event of our lives as well. Just because our lives aren't written in scripture doesn't mean that we are any less under your sovereign rule in this world. And so, Father, may we marvel at all the goodness that you have for us and that someday human history will come to an end. This is not just going to be going forever. We're not just going to be living on a floating rock forever. Lord, human history will have an end point. There will be a period to this story. And so, Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we get to love you and worship you in the midst of it. And we look forward to what you will do unfolding your grand story in our lives. And Lord, I pray that through our lives and by our prayers, may your kingdom come.